Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome into the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for being with me here today. It is Thursday, June the 18th. On today's program, the Williams Lake Indian Band is calling for a Williams Lake City Councilor to resign and is asking for an apology from the municipality to the First Nations people of Canada. That's in regards to some comments that were made at this week's City Council meeting in Williams Lake regarding residential schools. I caught up with Chief Willie Sellers earlier today, today to talk about those concerns as well. We'll also chat about a new cannabis production facility that is coming to his community in part thanks to some grant funding from the province. And well, to begin today's show, let's talk more about that grant funding. Yeah, the province is providing nearly $14 million for over 150 projects to support economic development in rural communities throughout B.C. I'm joined now by the Minister of Forests, Lands, Natural Resources, Operations, and Rural Development, Doug Donaldson. Minister Donaldson, thanks so much for speaking with me. Nice to be there. Here. Hey, yeah, thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate it. So let's just start by, uh, you know, in a general sense, talking about this funds, this $14 million in grants. Doesn't sound like a ton of money, but at the same point in time, we're, of course, uh, you know, we're going through COVID-19 and looking for any ways to really help kickstart our economy. So maybe just give me a quick rundown of this $14 million worth of grants. How is this going to really help people here in British Columbia? Well, this was something that we were focused on as far as uh, funding projects in communities uh, that will actually make an impact on jobs and infrastructure and uh, just very happy to be able to do this to make a difference for rural communities and uh, it'll make a difference for getting uh, things going on the ground uh, throughout the province. Uh, there's many trail and recreation projects uh, under this uh, one-time community grant and then there's uh, other projects that uh, have more of a, a longer-term uh, impact uh, as far as supporting rural community development. So how exactly is this money um, you know, being handed out? Are communities applying for it, or is it already earmarked for projects? How exactly is this going to be distributed? Well, this is uh, part of funding that was uh, uh, we were able to um, uh, allocate and make a case to the Ministry of Finance uh, at the end of the year for unallocated funds and uh, what we did is uh, as a ministry responsible for rural development is uh, looked at the list of rural dividend projects that uh, had been uh, um, applied for uh, by communities to our ministry uh, in august of last year and used that as the uh, as the template as the as the projects that were funded and so uh, many of them uh, have to do uh, with, uh, as I said, trails and recreation uh, sites uh, in the listenership area that you're uh, covering. Uh, the Ashcroft Indian Band, for instance, um, received $417,000 to finish off um, a camp area with uh, full electrical hookups, that kind of uh, that kind of thing. So uh, the uh, the projects were drawn by staff from the uh, rural dividend applications from uh, last year. Okay, so how, how quickly is this money going to start flowing? Has it already started flowing? Because you mentioned a couple of projects already that seem to have been approved. Uh, you mentioned Ashcroft, and uh, I see in the release here it talks about uh, Williams Lake Indian Band, and there we're going to be able to uh, build a cannabis uh, production facility for about half a million dollars. Um, well, they're receiving half a million through this grant process. You know, is, is there a lot of stuff that's already sort of in the works when it comes to uh, what you guys are trying to help fund here? 
Yes, definitely. Uh, the money has uh, flowed already. Uh, we just wanted to be in a position to make sure that uh, those applicants uh, were still in a position to carry out the projects in a in a COVID uh, pandemic situation, and uh, and just wanted to make sure that we're uh, into uh, enough of a phase two to phase three part of our uh, pandemic response that allowed uh, those applicants to actually begin the work. So we'll leave it up to the applicants as far as uh, uh, when the actual work gets underway, but the, the money is there and, and ready to go as soon as they are. Perfect. And, and why is it so important to have, you know, like I was saying off the top, $14 million, when you're talking about 150 projects, that doesn't sound like a ton of money, but why is it so important to have it in sort of these smaller chunks? I mean, what does that allow people to do, or when it comes to specific projects, how does it allow those to move forward, I guess, maybe a little bit more quickly and really support people who are on the grounds, right? This isn't about supporting large forest companies. This is about, um, you know, small projects that are really going to kickstart the economy, if, if, if I'm understanding this correctly anyway. That's right. This really makes a difference for uh, communities that weren't able to access this kind of funding uh, in other forms and puts people to work on the ground uh, right away. And uh, it's uh, it might seem like a small amount. I, I think $14 million is a fairly large number, but as you said, over 150 projects. Uh, it enables communities to partner with other organizations as well to uh, get uh, work done. And so uh, I know it'll make a big difference in, in many communities as far as uh, creating jobs, uh, putting people to work, and uh, making that in, that uh, long-term investment in infrastructure that will draw people to uh, communities. Awesome. Well, I really hope to see uh, a lot of stuff move forward as a result of this. Um, so like you had said, I, I just want to clarify to you, you mentioned that this has pretty much already been distributed. So is, is there any money left out there? If anyone well, you know, had a specific project in mind where they wanted to uh, help get it off the ground, I mean, this this isn't something that they could apply for at this point in time. Well, definitely uh, what this has done is, uh, is, is, is fund many of the projects that had been in the hopper for uh, rural dividend okay. from last year funding. Uh, but now what we're focused on is, is, the, is the COVID-19 uh, response. And as the Premier announced yesterday and the Finance Minister, we have uh, $1.5 billion set aside for projects we're asking for input from uh, communities and, and all parts of the province around uh, projects that that could be spent on. So uh, that's the that's the focus that we'll be uh, taking in the next uh, four or five weeks. And uh, definitely, if there's uh, projects that people uh, feel that um, are worthy of that funding and and would make a difference for jobs in their communities, then we welcome those applications. I've also been. Um, or not applications, but proposals. Mm -hmm. I've also been reaching out to local government associations in the last six weeks, uh, eight weeks since the COVID pandemic really hit BC to uh, to assess their needs and have conversations about uh, the kind of response they'd like to see. Fantastic. Well, yeah, it sounds like this should be a good move here for the province moving forward, and particularly for those working on some of these small, uh, you know, real important projects. Um, anything else that you really wanted to add, Minister, while I have you uh, just on this file specifically? 
No, I think uh, we covered a lot awesome. of ground there, Jeff. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I did want to ask you, too, while I have you, and, and it's something that uh, has kind of been a, a big issue here locally. Um, I don't know if you followed what's going on at Stump Lake here at all, but um, it seems to be a bit of a rift between people who are living uh, uh, near the water there and uh, their homes continually are being flooded. I believe this is the third year in a row where we've seen water, you know, several feet high pouring into these places and really making them uninhabitable. And uh, the, the TNRD, the district, district here has been, you know, talking about more studies, which obviously isn't something that, that people want. Uh, I just wondered if you had any, any thoughts on kind of what the situation is right now, because it is something that I know a lot of people are concerned about. And uh, I know we had uh, Todd Stone here from the opposition on this morning talking about it and, and his concerns, I guess, with how the situation has been handled. So I just wondered if you have any thoughts on the situation. Well, I can definitely uh, understand the anxiety people feel uh, who have properties on Stump Lake and, and houses that are being uh, threatened and are being impacted by the high water levels. I've been keeping up to date on the situation. Our staff uh, through my ministry uh, met with uh, TNRD officials yesterday to, uh, to, to hear from them about uh, long-term solutions and short-term solutions, and, and we're uh, focused on that. Uh, TNRD uh, is uh, is working on um, on those solutions, and we're we're happy to hear from them and and work with them where we can. Uh, they hold ultimate responsibility, but uh, we want to make sure that we're part of a solution when it comes to uh, our ministry's jurisdiction. Well, Minister, thank you so much for your time here today. I really appreciate it, and uh, yeah, I think some good news overall here for the province. So, thanks so much for highlighting this. Okay, thanks, Jeff. That was Minister of Forest, Lands, Natural Resource Operations, and Rural Development there, Doug Donaldson. Of course, he was speaking to uh, nearly $14 million being provided in grant funding to over 150 projects in support of economic development in rural communities throughout B.C. That funding was announced here earlier today, and he also spoke briefly about what's going on at Stump Lake. Of course, a pretty difficult situation for the homeowners out there and, and what they're going, going through right now. Uh, homes underwater, not something I don't think anybody wants to deal with, and uh, not necessarily getting the answers that they want. More studies, that's not uh, what they're looking for at all, but that seems to be where things are going, at least at this point in time. All right, well, i got to take a quick break here, but when I come back, I will be talking with the chief of the Williams Lake Indian Band. It is getting half a million dollars from that grant program to build a new cannabis production facility in the community. We will be talking about that, as well as some concerns over recent comments made by a Williams Lake City Councillor in regards to residential schools. So stick around, and the Jeff Andrea Show will be right back. The voice of your community, Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the Jeff Andrea Show. Thanks for being with me here on Thursday. Now, last segment, I was on the phone with uh, BC's Minister of Forest, Doug Donaldson, where we talked about $14 million in grants to help support projects in rural communities across BC. And one of those projects that will be getting some funding through this program is a new cannabis production facility on the Williams Lake Indian Band. And joining me now to talk a little bit more about this project is Chief Willie Sellers. Chief Sellers, how are you doing here today? I'm good. It's the sun is shining here, so I couldn't be uh, in more better spirits. Awesome. Glad to hear it. I've been sick of the rain here in Kamloops here over the last couple of weeks, so happy to see some sun finally. Um, Chief Sellers, now this project, I mean, it sounds like something that's going to be pretty significant and pretty pretty big for the for your community. Maybe just give me a quick rundown of exactly what we're talking about here. If hi, half a million for a, a production facility, what exactly are you guys looking to build? 
Yeah, it's going to be something new. It's going to be something different. Uh, it's going to be the first of its kind in BC and one of the one of the few in Canada, actually. Probably actually the first one on First Nation reserve lands in Canada. So we're pretty proud of that. It's a um, farm to gate cultivation facility. So we're going to be growing and selling out of the same building. Uh, the Health Canada requirements around this and the negotiations that we've had with both the province and the feds, I think, have been long standing. We, uh, we've been at the table with them for over a year now. And uh, it's going to complement our retail store that's currently on reserve. It's a 7,000 square foot building with about 2,100 square feet of growing space. So we're very excited about it. I mean, we're very proud of, of what we've been able to put together with the help of the provincial government, with the help of funding agencies like Northern Development Initiative Trust, and with the help from the federal government. I think the support is shining through on how these governments are helping First Nations kickstart the economies and the regions that they're living in. So what we've been able to put together in the collaboration with a number of different agencies and governments, uh, we're very proud and uh, we're very excited. I mean, we're talking about an economy in Williams Lake that uh, has been plagued by a number of different things. The Mount Pauli TSF failure, the wildfires in 2017, the downturn in the forestry economy, the COVID-19 pandemic that we're all dealing with. Uh, how do we kickstart our economy and diversify that economy at, at the same time? And cannabis is that industry that's just starting to break through. We're starting small with this facility, uh, and it's going to complement how we've already injected ourselves in the cannabis industry already. So uh, it's jobs, it's revenue. Uh, we've made a commitment to local contractors, and uh, we couldn't ask for um, you know uh, uh, more help or, or, or more support uh, right now. We're very excited. And and uh, how long have you guys been working on on getting something like this uh, you know up and, and built? Is this something that uh, has been in, kind of in the works for a little while? Yeah, for a couple of years now. You know, when uh, when cannabis was first legalized, we started looking at how we wanted to inject ourselves into the industry. We thought, um, what better way than to start a cannabis retail store? We've been in negotiations with the provincial government around a Section 119 agreement, which is specific to First Nation governments. Uh, that's going to be a government-to-government agreement that we're going to be announcing within the next month. So getting into the retail side, that was 11 full-time jobs, a revenue stream that we're starting to see the benefits of now. Uh, you know, that's how we're diversifying the economy. Okay, now that we got the retail store going, we started looking, you know, paralleling that process with our aspirations towards cultivation. And you know, you look at cultivation when uh, uh, cannabis was initially legalized and um, go big or go home was kind of the thing. Everybody was building these massive facilities. And, you know, we entertained the idea of doing that, but we, we didn't want to bite off more than we could chew. Mm-hmm. We understand the uh, economy here in Williams Lake and, and what's going to work and through research and through negotiations with both the province and the feds and, and going through a number of different um, uh, consultants giving us feedback on, on what would work best for this region. We, we settled on this micro facility, this farm to give facility, this craft cannabis um, uh, store that, that, I think is going to complement what we're doing, but it's also going to put us on the map and hopefully create um, a roadmap for other First Nations to follow who are looking to get into the industry but don't want to invest 
hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, I think it's pretty cool. I like, I like the way you phrase it too, this craft cannabis market, right? Because we talk all, all the time about craft beers here in this, in this country and in this province, and why can't we have some more craft cannabis? I think that makes a whole lot of sense. How, how quickly are you hoping to have this thing built? Oh, we're breaking ground on Monday. Uh, very exciting day for us. Uh, we would think it's going to be ready by next year. The licensing process is about a year long, so we're factoring that in, of course. Okay. I mean, the, the building, we awarded the building to Lauren Brothers, which is a local contractor. We pride ourselves on being able to deliver these projects with the help of local contractors, local subcontractors, and the local workforce i mean that's really what it's about i mean people want to work right now and as 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 we start to loosen the reins on this covid 19 pandemic and and look at how the future is going to be and and how we kickstart the economy it's by putting people to work and we understand that and that's what we want to see from any local developer in in williams like we want to see them source out those those local contractors so that being said we're figuring that uh it's going to be about a year we hope to be open by sometime next spring, early summer. Um, but again, I mean, it's going to depend on that licensing process, how quickly we can get through and working with the feds, working with Health Canada to make sure that we do it properly. We understand that this is going to be under a ton of scrutiny because it's one of the first of its kind. It's going to be the first one in the, in the Williams Lake in the, in the Caribou. First of its kind in BC, I mean, it's still staggering to think about of what it's going to be able to do to this region and the amount of tourism that it's going to be able to develop the amount of interest it's going to be able to develop so we're thinking the construction schedule is somewhere between seven and eight months and then as we ramp up and start the growing process uh, we're looking about a year as we parallel that with the licensing requirements all right cool well i'll keep that time frame in mind myself um and this is going to be completely owned and operated by the community correct you bet. So I, I just uh, maybe I'm a bit ignorant on this, but I know like when we're talking about cultivating and growing uh, cannabis plants, I mean that's not something that just any anybody can do right off the street. So how is your community going about you know learning this process? Do you have experts already in the community who are you know know exactly what they're doing when it comes to growing? I'm just curious how um, I know this is early stages and we're, I'm looking at a kind of when things are opening here from a year from now, but um, you know how do you go about putting those people in place who are going to be able to actually make this product is that something that you've thought about yet well i'm not about to out a bunch of my community members for growing cannabis yeah so <laughs> that's fair that's totally fair <laughs> yeah i um i understand that uh it's it's uh, a process to find these individuals we have a number of educated individuals within the community that both you know with that horticulturalist mm-hmm. uh, pedigree or with um you know learning from experience, I guess, to say, to say, but um, we're working with a consulting company out of Kelowna, actually, Summerland area, that's a genotype, okay. uh, a good group of guys, and, and, you know, we envision these consultants to continue to, to work with us in developing the building, developing the grow, and then also mentoring the band members that we see in these master grower positions. Uh, you know, this is the, the start of something that's brand new, and, and we understand that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not a cannabis expert uh, just because we've been working with cannabis for the last uh, couple of years. Uh, I seem to be tagged with this cannabis expert um, <laughs> uh, uh, 
peg, but uh, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> we've just we've been learning as we're going, and it's the people that you surround yourself with is is the people that are going to make you successful. We understand that right from the staff level at WLIB. Uh, Chief and Council understands that, but we also understand that we want our band members in these high level positions. Mm-hmm. So that's what the goal is. I mean, we want to bring a master grower in through our consulting company that is going to be able to teach our people to be able to take the reins on um, when they feel comfortable. Okay. I mean, that's a success story on its own. Absolutely. And, and, and we get that. Uh, individuals being able to provide for their families and staying home at the same time in an industry that's pretty neat you know it's it's different it's um it's not the norm but uh we're 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 very excited to to continue to get this thing and to see how it develops moving forward no, I think that's awesome. I, I just literally did not know how that process worked. So I think that's pretty interesting and, and happy to see that people in your community are going to be the ones benefiting the most because that's really, I think, the, the most important part of a project like this. Uh, anything yeah, else? Look at it, it it's, I mean, it's 20 plus jobs. Yeah. yeah. It's not insignificant at all when we see a Mount, Mount Pauly mine shutting down. I mean, how are we going to fill that gap of 300 plus jobs in this region? I mean, it's through initiatives like this that are going to help us you know, supplement those individuals so they don't have to go to camp up north or down mm-hmm. south or, or, or out of country. So, Very cool. Doing, uh, doing our part to the best of our ability. Yeah, that's that's good. No, I think this is awesome. Um, Chief Sellers, will I have you too? I know uh, I did want to switch gears a little bit here about uh, what happened here uh, at Williams Lake City Council earlier this week. Um, I haven't seen the release, but I understand you guys put one out there. You had mentioned it to me earlier. Uh, but Councillor uh, Marnie Brenner, I guess, made some comments saying that there are two sides to reconciliation and that not everyone had a negative experience at residential schools. Um, what what uh, I understand this is, this is a comment that has made you quite uh, angry here, um, and I think rightfully so. But maybe just uh, get your thoughts on why this is such an, you know, really an offensive thing for someone to say. Yeah, I mean, it's some pretty heavy stuff. And when we start talking about the sensitivities around residential school, I mean, it's an education. We're still dealing with the impacts of residential school to this day in my community and communities across Canada. And that intergenerational trauma piece is one, but there's still individuals that. Um, are survivors from residential school to try and downplay the experience that some had over others uh, to justify some of your economic aspirations within the city um, is just downright shameful and we talked about this at the council level and and, and looked at how we were going to approach the comments made by the city of Williams Lake in regards to it you know, we say one councillor made these statements, but I didn't hear any of the other councillors or the mayor step in and, and correct this individual for what she was saying. I think that makes them guilty by association, and uh, council was in agreement that something needed to be said. I mean, it is, these kind of comments won't be tolerated in First Nations communities, especially in the era of um, Black Lives Matter and, and reconciliation. We talk about, you know... They, they say that reconciliation is earned. It's a two-way street. It goes both ways. I mean, just those comments alone show you how uneducated these individuals are around what reconciliation truly is. And uh, as a First Nation leader in my community who lives on in my reserve, uh, you know, I, 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 I was embarrassed and... and you know, I, I get really emotional when we start talking about this because, you know, my dad's a residential school survivor. 
my um, my upbringing was you know it was different than most kids and, and you you hear the stories from the elders you hear the stories from uh, individuals that have have lived through that I mean it's it's no joke and it can't be downplayed it's an important part of history that that we have to educate people on and it's very frustrating for us to hear those coming from a leader that's supposed to be um who's supposed to be championing that reconciliation process when they aren't what when you hear stuff like that i mean you kind of touched on it a little bit but what does that do to your relationship you know as uh, uh you know uh, as a reserve uh, a chief of, of the uh, the williams like indian band i mean i would assume you guys would want to be doing work closely with the, the municipality of williams like itself but this i would think would have a pretty detrimental effect on that relationship at least in the immediate future i mean what what does this do to your relationship with the community at this time Oh, I mean, the impacts on the relationship, and you could hear it in my voice even. Like, how can we sit across from the, across the table from these individuals after making comments like that? I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, we're pretty open-minded here at um, WLIB. We have a very progressive council. We have a very... Um, uh, we have a, a ton of capacity in our office that helps us get through these things. But I mean, the first thing that I think about, I mean, we we want to mend some bridges with the city. I mean, let's bring them through some cultural sensitivity training and educate them on exactly how the impacts of um, the history of, of, of Canada had on First Nations peoples to start. I mean, we could bring them through that if they're willing to. And I mean, that should be, I mean, it's it's, it's a part of the TRC's calls to action is is that education piece around indigenous cultures and traditions. Um, Let's get them to the table and and really push them on this stuff. But I mean, even then, um, it's like it's falling on deaf ears with this council because, you know, we continue to say these things. We continue to try and work with them and hold up this region, hold up this um, city and, and the relationship, but they continue to just, you know, push back on these things you hear these comments and obviously they're uh the the discussions that we've had are 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 not helping but i am honestly at a loss of words on 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 how we can mend this relationship and how we can move forward in in a positive way and i would be looking to the rest of my council to comment and help guide me and i'd also be looking at our elders group to to provide advice to me on this stuff because it's not something that i can tackle on my own um we're going to heal as a community and we're going to move forward as a community well, Chief Sellers, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and speaking on this. I, I, I'm sorry that it happened, and unfortunately, it is uh, you know some some attitudes that still exist. I mean, residential schools. Some people think it's ancient history, but it really wasn't that long ago, and it's a you know it's a shame that people don't really understand the true impact of it. But hopefully, hopefully, we can learn, and and hopefully, uh, you know, you you can move forward as well. But um, yeah, again, sorry that it happened, but I really appreciate you taking the time and, and speaking on it. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for uh, the chat. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. That was Chief of the Williams Lake Indian Band there, Willie Sellers. Now, I wanted to quickly go back and play the clip from Tuesday's Williams Lake City Council meeting. Here was what uh, Marnie Brenner had to say, and, of course, uh, the, the issues, um, you'll, you'll understand the issue with the comments as I, as I play them here, I think. 
You know, and the more I talk to the community members, you know, in the different areas that I know, I hear more and more of things that, wow, that really happened. But I've also heard stories of where people, when they shut down the, sh the schools and they've had to go back to school in like Risky Creek and stuff, where they've been disappointed that they had to leave residential school because they had a pool there and they didn't. And, you know, and that's, and you know, what, I don't team. want anybody to take offense that I put that out there, but you know what, there are always two sides. Part of truth and reconciliation is is healing. And we, you know, we can do everything we need to do and we can do everything we possibly can to abide by all the rules and things that we need to implement, but we're not responsible for their healing. Now, Chief Sellers has spoken to other media about this issue as well after putting out that release uh, for calling for an apology as well as for the resignation of uh, Councillor Brenner. Um, you know, he says the fact that this councillor in particular is Indigenous herself actually kind of makes these comments even worse. You know, and, and he says, uh, you know, as we go through Black Lives Matters, um, you know, th this comment particularly piqued my interest from Chief Sellers where he said to a reporter in Williams Lake, uh, quote, can you imagine if a government official in the United States stood up and said that slavery wasn't such a bad thing because black Americans were fed and had a roof over their heads, there would be incredible outrage and rightfully so. And I think, uh, you know, he has a point when you're talking about some of these things. I mean, we just, I don't know. It, it's a real shame. And I think back to my time in Northern Ontario, in Dryden, there was a Senator Lynn Bayak who made similar comments about residential schools and, uh, you know, she received a lot of backlash and rightfully so. And, and was posting comments, uh, you know, racial uh, letters that she was getting in support on her website and, and things along these lines that just, you know, really don't help when we're trying to talk about truth and reconciliation. How can we reconcile if we don't um, acknowledge the hardships and the problems that these kinds of, 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 of uh, you know, pieces of our history had on people? And, and it, it's a real shame that people don't acknowledge, I think, uh, just how terrible sometimes that these were. Let's not look at the good. Let's just, uh, you know, there's no reason to be looking at, at the positive quote-unquote positivity that they had because that's just um i think the wrong attitude to have all right well they do have to take a quick break here so uh let's just uh leave it there for now and there'll be more jeff andrea show after this so please stick around your opinion call or text 250-374-5345 find us on facebook or on twitter at radio nl news this is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Welcome back into the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for being with me here on a Thursday, June the 18th. Yeah, it's been a good show here today, of course. Thanks to uh, Minister Doug Donaldson there, Ministry of Forests. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about uh, some grant funding that's going out to some rural communities here across British Columbia. And, of course, thank you to uh, Chief Willie Sellers with the Williams Lake Indian Band talking about the fact that they're receiving half a million to help build a new cannabis production facility there in his community. And then also taking a bit of a more serious tone there later on, talking about some some comments made by a Williams Lake City Councilor in regards to residential schools and some issues that he's taking there with that calling for the municipality itself to issue an apology and asking for Councilor Brenner to resign as a result of those comments. So yeah, definitely some, some interesting stuff that happened here today. So I want to thank all my guests for joining me and even more importantly, I want to thank all of you for listening because there's no show without listeners. So thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it and remember whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know that I enjoyed our time while it lasted. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday here. Hopefully we see that 30 degree weather hit us and I'll be back here tomorrow on Friday at noon.